time has come to DIY your innovation. Like it's HGTV. I say Martha Stewart your innovation if you want to succeed. To Ikea your innovation. Lay out all the screws and shelves and sit surrounded by it till you figure out how to do it yourself. Overthrow yourself to lead a coup against convention. Patent yourself to own your own reinvention. Kickstart yourself to crowdsource your help and wiki your wealth. You want to keep from being disrupted by someone else? Disrupt yourself. Every time you start talking tradition, interrupt yourself. Like, you know, we should just continue with our... I'm sorry, can I interject? Disruptors aren't distant storms on radar that you watch progress. They are termites you ignore until your foundation gets wrecked because you didn't think that those tiny piles of dust were a threat. You didn't think the market share they were serving could compete till they used it to perfect a new model that renders yours obsolete and then scaled faster than you can move your sluggish feet so you need to disrupt yourself with your customers' future needs and their current speed so that you don't get black buried beneath the warnings you didn't heed. Write your action plan and craft your service plan. Design your passion plan and create your purpose plan because innovation is the act of creativity for the purpose of creation. When insight creates invoices, we call that innovation. It is the integral catalytic ingredient. It is collaboration, the intersection of industries ignited by inspiration. Innovation is the difference between asking, why didn't I think of that? And why didn't I think like that? Innovation is the difference between accepting what is and asking what if, what next, what else. You want to wear innovation on your sleeve? Fine. Suit yourself. Don't be afraid to be self-made. Help yourself to success. Take a self-interest in your self-improvement to be your best because the secret to a culture of innovation for everyone else is simply DIY innovation. Innovate yourself. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so that's how we're going to open up Innovation Crush from now on. Um, that's what I think. So everybody, welcome to another episode of Innovation Crush. My name is Chris Denson. Uh, I am your gracious host at Densonology on Twitter. Uh, that was Seku Andrews. The now I have to. I feel like I'm going to have to speak as loud as you do. This, this is not how I talk. Uh, Take it down. <laughs> and also. Uh, <laughs> So, um, I'm gonna let you tell me who you are, uh, as Seku Andrews, the poetic voice and walk us through a little bit of why that piece exists. Who I am. Well, it all started a few years ago (laughs) and my mama and my papa, um, I am, I am a poetic voice. Uh, and so how that came to be was I was an artist. I was a, a musician. I was an actor. I was pursuing traditional uh, labels and existing industries, and in the process of doing that, found spoken word poetry, um, started trying to build a fan base at open mics uh, for my music, and eventually just fell in love for poetry, fell in love with poetry for poetry's sake. And um, then, of course, the entrepreneur in me, always being sort of half artist, half entrepreneur, the entrepreneur in me was like, well, what does that mean, and how does a brother eat off of poetry, you know? So uh, then it sort of led me to start working in the business world and creating um, customized pieces for businesses. And then the aha moment that I had was uh, going to conferences where I would see speaker after speaker after speaker, and then a poet or an artist or you know some sort of some sort of an artist a comedian or singer songwriter that would break up the speakers with you know 
art and lift right. the spirits and, and open the hearts to receive the information for the next speaker, speaker, speaker. And I found myself asking, why is art the break from the content and not the vehicle for the content? Right. And so that was the aha moment that really led me to go, okay, I think I want to create an actual category of motivational speaking that uses art and infuses with art to uh, make the messages more moving and memorable and and more personalized and customized by telling, instead of getting up there and saying, I'm going to, you know, I, I, uh, I climbed Mount Everest. And you can, here's how you, Google or Apple, can do it too in your business, you right. know. I'm going to actually tell you the story, the story of the mountains that you've climbed in your business and, mm. and show you that you can do it again with a customized artistic piece that uh, gets in your blood and your breath. Right. And that's what led me to kind of create poetic voice as a, as, a, as an actual speaking category. It's almost like a it's almost like a reignition. I think you you touched on something that's very different than like you can do this too because I did it, but you know you can do it because you've already done. That's it. right. Um, that's a really interesting perspective. Yeah. Uh, so when you when you talk about that first pivot point for you from. I don't know. Poet. What does a poet do? Uh, poe? Do they poe? Do, <laughs> do they poe? Uh, if, if, if you if you wanna if you wanna get uh, if you wanna get really uh, you know uh, uh, street with it and and colloquial with it, then they, they spit. You oh, know, you right, spit okay, a poem. Okay. All right, great. <laughs> Shakespeare spat. That's right. Shakespeare spat uh, <laughs> a poem. That's right. No, but when you look at that that first pivot point for you, you know that's a that's a break from traditional poetry circuit to go. Hmm. Business. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, how did you do? How did you think that would work? And this is before you say you look, you start going to conferences and you see the speakers yeah. and you get that aha moment. Yeah. This is when you go, "Ooh, I'm going to start talking to companies. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm sure that's not the, the traditional path coming from, you know, the, the poetry community. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there are artists, artists who just make art for art's sake, you know, and I've always been. Um, I've always had that entrepreneurial component to me. You know, I've always looked at the end game and the purpose of it and, and how it is that I could do this. If I, if I found myself loving to do something, then it was like, how can I keep doing it? And how can I do more of it? And right. of course, that leads to the question, how can I put bread in the fridge doing it so that I don't have to only do it after work? Right. Um, and so that was the case with you know, my music with my acting, but with music and acting, there are multi-billion dollar industries in existence where you go, here's the, here's the model, you know, right. with, uh, poetry, there is no industry. Um, and so the traditional trajectory for a poet is, you know, you're, if you're a full-time poet, that is you, you start doing clubs and cafes, you know, right. you're rocking the poetry lounge out here in LA, you're rocking fly poet showcase out here in LA, you're doing the feature shows and the open mics and you're selling your, your chat book or your CDs right. and you hope you make enough money to, to make the rent that day, you know? Uh, and then maybe you sort of graduate to colleges, you know, where the, where the checks get bigger and they're more, uh, right. they're more set, they're more, uh, you can count on them, but, but sometimes the audiences get smaller. Sometimes you're thrown up in a student union and imposing on people's lunch and they don't care about listening to you at all, you know? <laughs> right. So the shows can be whack sometimes, but um, but you can make a good living as a college poet, you know, touring. I know lots of poets that, that tour and make good um, salaries. But it's a grind. Note to self. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, can, I can hook you up with, some, with the folks if you need. You know what I mean? I'll let you know. Uh, but that's kind, of, that's kind of it. And then from there, folks that stay in it 
They move into something. They move into teaching. They move into academics. They move into uh, publishing, um, you know, anthologies on poetry. They move into something more literary. They move into an existing industry, right? right? And there's only a handful of folks out there that I know that are sort of creating industries for poetry, and that and that was more exciting to me. So when I was going to open mics, um, you know, for my hip hop, say. And then I found myself loving just being appreciated for my words without having to worry about the beat and the hook and the remix right. and the guest appearance and all that. But then it was sort of like, well, what, what do I do with this? And so for me, I actually found myself more excited about pioneering new trails for spoken word right. than I did chasing an existing industry, recognizing that I'm probably not going to be 50 Cent. I mean, the type of lyrics. I, right. I had I had more daylight lyrics than I had 50 lyrics. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like 40 Cent. R- right. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> exactly. Uh, or, or, or maybe a, a different currency. <laughs> right, right, right. You know what I mean? I'm I was two in, euro. That's right. Yeah, exactly. I was more, I'm not going to say I was less than 50. I was just a different currency. I think you I know? just came up with my poetry name, two euro. What? Son, yeah. two euros in the house. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that was really it for me was just trying to figure out how to pioneer something that doesn't exist. You have to have that mentality. You have to be sort of, you know, have that blueprint of I'm right. excited about innovating something myself, yes. you know, and that's, that's the, that's the cloth that I'm cut well, from. And I know? think, we, I think we all hit, I mean, a lot of us are lucky enough to find that. And I think what you're doing when you go and you do talk to these organizations, you know, it's, um, it is helping them find that moment of inspiration as well. Cause not everybody, like you said, it's, you said, uh, when insight creates invoices, <laughs> right and you go like yeah that's that's kind of like that's that's the formula right, right. when you say right. art for art's sake you right. know same thing when you go and talk to google or you talk to ebay you know you don't create technology for technology's sake right you know you're sure. creating this to to do something so that there's that moment of of sparking the inspiration um did what do what does the rest of the poetry community feel about what you're doing like is, is it too much of a removal like for instance we had a guest on the show named Kyle Cease mm-hmm. Kyle I, know, I was just talking about Kyle yesterday oh, okay yeah yeah so Kyle's <laughs> awesome right yeah. Kyle's number one yeah. Comedy Central special movie career mm-hmm. and then he starts doing these transformational That's right. workshops and things like that and there was a large percentage of his you know constituency that That's was right. like yeah well alright good luck with that right you know and he's made a killing off of it and he, he does it really well that's right um, was there sort of that divide for you like you know once you kind of like this is my path for, for now or was it like, go ahead and do your thing? Well, again, maybe, but here's the difference. Again, Kyle was part of a multi-billion dollar existing industry. True. You know, there are no poets that have the fan base of a Kyle C. There are no poets that have multiple movies of their poetry and TV shows. And you know what I mean? There's not. So you, right. there's not that many fans to lose. So, yes, I actually uh, one of the things that I'm doing right now is I'm reengaging my my sort of external consumer fan audience because um, there was certainly a drop off in the sense that. If you look at my mailing list, initially you signed my mailing list because it was like, hey, Seku's at a poetry cafe in Nebraska. I like his poetry. Let me know when you're back in Nebraska or when you got a CD to sell. You know, then all of a sudden I go from letting people know here's where I am. Here's what I'm doing to I'm doing a bunch of B2B work. And and it's all internal. It's all like a private TED conference or or a private corporate event, and they don't have access to it. So it's like I hear you're in my town, but I can't come. So what good is that? You know. Right. So there was a, a a long period of neglect of my consumer fan base while I was building this business side. So I don't think it was so much 
oh, I'm not down with what he's doing. It was just, I don't really know. Suddenly, Seku's kind of dropped off, and I'm building this other world. Right. And every once in a while, they would hear something like, oh, I just, you know, I got married, or oh, I just, here's, a, here's something that I did public, or a public show or a feature. But it was very few and far in between. Yeah. So now it's sort of like I'm introducing my worlds to each other. You know, I just launched a video. I'm I'm preparing some public presentations, and I'm doing things that are just sort of galvanizing my entire right. audience. Now, on the poetry side, I'm certain that there are poets that are probably, you know, oh, I don't, I don't think, I don't like what he's doing, or right. just, just like in the same way that literary poets have a problem with slam poets because they feel like it's sort of a bastardization of the work. It's all about competition and so forth. So there's a lot, there's a sort of divide in those worlds. I'm sure that there's probably a divide in the sense of people that are making a living off of poetry. However, I don't really listen to it, so I don't <laughs> well, really know. You know one, I think one thing you, you really touched on in that, in that response was kind of this idea of brand management, right? Yeah. You, you have to manage your brand. And I think every company goes through that where there's a new iteration. And while we want to gain new clientele and new business and new you know, audience, we don't want to alienate our current audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that even in – your brand as the poetic voice, you know, kind of walk us through even that nomenclature and why that what you know, how that kind of helps you bridge the gap. Yeah. Well, and, and you're, you're spot on with that because, you know, I mean, the fact is there's always going to be haters, right? There's always going to be people out there that just don't like what you're doing because you're doing it differently. Right. Um, and I honestly, I can't speak to, Oh my gosh, I've encountered a lot of that. I just don't even pay attention to it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always forward focused. Um, but however, I, as I was creating this brand, deciding what to call it, I mean, you know, I, I created Poetic Voice as a speaking category. One of the the, the initial impetus, impetus, I always hate that word, impetus. Imp- impotence. Impotent, impot- no, not impotence. <laughs> not impotence, not so much there. But um, one of the- You're the word master. I know, I know. And I hate when I'm the word master and then I struggle with a word, especially plural versions. They drive me bananas. What's your favorite word? My favorite word. It's the first time I've ever been asked that. That's what I do on this show. Um, I innovate new new questions. My favorite word will would probably be TBD. <laughs> okay, to be determined. Well, I'll ask you again <laughs> at the end of the show. That's right. <laughs> um, but but as I looked at creating this brand, a big um, a big reason for it was. I, I was getting called all kinds of nonsense. You know, I'd, I'd get on a stage and it would be like, you know, oh, we got this speaker and they would read his bio and it'd be all amazing. And they'd read this guy's bio and the proper introduction of him. And then it would get to me and it was like, and now we've got a number one slam dude, you know, or like <laughs> right. uh, the top street poet. And I was like, street poet? Really? Because that kind of makes it sound like you just picked me up off the street like 20 <laughs> yeah, minutes like, ago. Like, I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, clean you up, kid. Get in here and get on stage. You're going to be big, you know? <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I need to own my own language. Right. Clearly, if I'm if I'm creating something out of thin air, then I need to own and define the language. And so I'd struggle with strate- strategic storyteller and motivational poet and all these different titles. And you have to imagine one of the biggest um, impediments in my world is the word poetry. I mean, it has a tremendous amount of preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about what? Beret. Yeah. The, the beret, you think about the beat poet with the guy, the bass line in the background, and you know, uh, what, what's his name? Mike Myers and uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Right. Harry it, you know? You think about the, the revolutionary poet screaming at you, the slam poet shouting for three minutes, or the dead art form that you studied in high school, you know? Right. So I was up against that constantly. So there was a lot of um, reason and a lot of also advice to abandon the word poetry. Just right. pick something that has nothing to do with that. 
But when I really sat back and thought about my authenticity, the one singular driving force for everything that I do creatively in this world is my love of spoken word, my passion for it. So I was like, how can I authentically create a brand that abandons that word when that's what's driving me my the, the screenplays that I write the album that I wrote the the TV treatments that I write all that stuff is driven by here's how I think spoken word should be reflected in sure. the industry and it always gets watered down and it always becomes this love Jones a sexy actor with dreads <laughs> and incense around and people are snapping and right. you know what I mean it just becomes this sort of watered down sexiness not the fire that you get when you go to an open when you go to like a New Yorkian or something right so I was like I need to make sure that I am Embrace this word poetry and what and everything that I do, but still grounded in something that people can understand, and that's why I use poetic voice as the name of the speaking category. So, so give us an example or give us a list, right? I, you know, I I wouldn't probably wouldn't do it justice of where poetic voice has taken you, you know, uh, on this client, <laughs> you know, esque journey. Yeah. Oh man, poetic voice, uh, you know, any given month. Um, you can look at, say, the past, you know, this month and, and last month. Um, a, a The piece that I opened with, DIY Innovation, was mm-hmm. done at an executive uh, summit for a company, uh, Vistage. That, oh, yeah. Uh, People love Vistage. Yeah. It's like the CEO. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a CEO summit, sort of inspiring yeah. CEOs, right? Uh, healthcare. I do I do a tremendous amount of work in healthcare, uh, probably about 65% of my work. So I've got a, a nursing conference coming up. I, I just did a health insurance uh, uh, an event. Um, I I have a TED conference coming up. Uh, it, it'll be. It's taking me to you know small top level executive meetings where it's like me, the president of Nike and LeBron James in a room together talking about greatness. Um, to are you now in that in that scenario? Are you performing or are you just part of the conversation? It depends. Okay. It depends. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it depends on how they engage me. Some in that LeBron situation, yep. it was me presenting. Okay. Okay. Um, there have been plenty of times where, uh, let's say, you know, I'm I'm with uh, the top, the top executives at uh, uh, General Mills or something. You mm-hmm. know, where it's I'm a part of the entire session, and so there's a perform uh, a presentational element where I'm inspiring them, and then there's also a dialogue element where right. we're constantly throwing around ideas and so forth. Um, it's been, you know, it's taken me to huge companies, Fortune Fives like Apple and Google and, and Nike and, and um, campaigns uh, where I'm the voice of, of an event or a campaign. Right. Um, it's taken me to, you know, Oprah and Oprah's backyard and performing for uh, President Barack Obama. Now what's what's uh, Oprah's address again? Uh, I can't really talk about it on air, oh, okay. but you know I'm what I mean? Just curious. Just take a peek at oh, my no, phone. Was... and. It... <laughs> <laughs> No. So yeah, all over the place. I mean, it's been and and internationally and and just you know the thing I love about it and where, and where it's taken me is that I love when I go to an open mic or poetry venue because because they're there to hear what I what I do and they love it and so there's just this infectious energy. But what I love about going to business audiences is that I'm not preaching to the choir. Right, they, it's a jaded, skeptical. What in the world is a poet doing on my stage? I understand why he would be at the Christmas party. I don't get why he's at the <laughs> national sales meeting. You know, right. So I love watching that conversion happen. So mm-hmm. I step on stage, you know, especially black man with dreadlocks in the in the corporate environment and a sea of gray haired white men. You right. know what I'm saying? And I step on stage and it's like, oh, okay, here comes our guy that's going to dance for us for a minute right you know and then i start spitting 
and that you can just see the light bulbs go off. You can see the leaning forward happen. You can see the, the cell phones being put down and you can see the tears start to stream and the la- and it's just like, boom, I got you. Boom, I got you. Coming back for you. You're hopeless. Not so do, do you, you. In, in that instance, do you, I don't know, do you almost look at it as a sport of sorts? Oh, like, man. Like the conversion is kind oh, of what drives yes, you. Yes, sir. Listen, yeah. I always say two of the biggest training ground, <coughs> excuse me, training grounds for what I do that I that I credit as as making me as successful in, in what I do um, as, as I am were one was the uh, the tour that I did for Norman Lear uh, myself and my writing partner Steve Connell um, traveled around the country initially by ourselves and then joined with a beatboxer a DJ and four of the poets traveling with an original print of the Declaration of Independence to inspire people to vote what yes I know it was crazy yeah um, but it was a challenge because it was a nonpartisan tour. Poets are very partisan, right? It's like, right. here's what I want you to do, right? Yes. Now all of a sudden we had to, we had Norman Lear saying, I want you to get people swear into their feet, um, jump into their feet, swear into all that they believe in, but you can't talk about this and you can't mention this issue and you can't tell them to vote for this and so forth. So it was like, how do we get to the underlying universal truths of action right. and participation? That was a great training ground and I, and I very much credit Norman as well as my partner Steve and all the poets that we were surrounded by for, with that. And then the other one was slam. Mm. Because what slam poetry does, and you know, if we if we want to get into what a slam is, we can. But if the, for those of you that <laughs> Google know, it, that's right. Slam is their poetry Bing, competitions. Right, their poet. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Depending on who your sponsor is, right? They are uh, their poetry competitions. So, so with slam, it's like all of a sudden I can't. I, I, it's no longer the open mic where it's like I just get up there, I do my soliloquy about a daffodil, right, and people right. snap and they go, I love oh, that, that was one, beautiful. By the way. You like that one? Yeah, that's, that's my earlier work. That's a signature piece. <laughs> um, but now all of a sudden, somebody's put a scorecard in your hand and you don't know me, and they've said, judge this guy, right. you know, and give him a one to 10. So now I have to be accessible. I've got to convert you to someone who doesn't, didn't even come here for poetry to someone who is going to give me a 10. And right. that's a great training ground athletically to make me go, all right. I got I got next. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what I noticed with the DIY piece and with a, a lot of your work is that it moves pretty rapidly, right? Um, and, you know, when you are in that, there's that sea of gray-haired white men, what, how do they pick up on it, right? Because it's, you know, it's a different cadence and, and maybe it's because they're being spoken to differently that they actually lean in to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was a teacher for years and one of the things that she told me because I, I was worried about my eight-year-old who had a, um, uh, a teacher with a heavy accent. And my mm-hmm. mom was like, actually, kids tend to pay more attention to teachers with accents because they're trying to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that that's, you know, from your cadence to the words you choose and especially just knowing those environments that you're in, like knowing the, the challenge that Google is facing mm-hmm. at, that, at that moment in time, um, what do you kind of attribute to the, the intake or mm-hmm. the conversion mm-hmm. On, mm-hmm. on behalf of the audience? Well, listen, I mean, first and foremost, it's the power of art, right? So, right. Uh, I mean, the the reaction that you have when you watch an amazing piece of theater or you see a, an amazing painting and it just it it rips you apart um you 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 listen to an anthemic piece of music you know an mm-hmm. orchestra or a song a song that you can't get the hook out of your head for for years you know uh art has an infectious indelible um power over us right uh and so that's at the root of what i do so i'm armed with that going in Right. Through poetry, through the through the manipulation and use and harnessing of language. Right. Uh, And 
So I'm speaking in a way where I'm painting pictures as opposed to telling uh, facts, right? But they're, they're hearing themselves in it. So that's the, and that's the power of poetic voice. It's the customization of it, right? They're hearing themselves in it. So they're hearing their story. They're going, that's me, but I've never seen myself or heard myself or right. thought of myself in that particular way. So I'm showing them a, a powerful version of themselves that they've never thought. And I'm showing them the version of themselves that is. And I'm also showing them something that they can live into, something that be, they can aspire to, right. right? So a big part of it is that. Now, in terms <clears throat> of rhythms, now, all, I'm, now I'm using all of these um all these uh, verbal techniques that create a sense of delight and suspense, right? I, I pride myself on making sure that the audience doesn't get ahead of me so that they can't zone out. Right. So the minute they're thinking, oh, I got this, he, certainly he's done now. You know, it's one thing when I'm doing a three-minute <laughs> three presentation, but when I do a 60-minute keynote, they can't believe that they were engaged for that long. Wait, is it a 60-minute poetic keynote? 60-minute keynote, 90-minute keynote, That's all day. Amazing. All day. And they can't believe because we're told in a society nobody pays attention to things for more than three minutes, four minutes. People's attention spans, ADD, digital technology, blah, blah, blah. Right. right? Sorry, so I just checked my phone. Right? Exactly. exactly. Uh, Chris, come back to me. Come back to me, Chris. <laughs> I'm sorry. What were you saying? <laughs> and so when that, when that happens, they are surprised themselves. Of, I can't understand how it is that you kept going, that you kept engaging my intention. And I think that's where you're really using the speaking techniques. When I do my my, my uh, speaker training, Stage Fright to Stage Might, that I'm launching this year publicly, but I've done it for corporations and executive mm-hmm. summits, I, I talk about just when you feel like the audience is getting ahead of you, that's when you have to switch gears. Right. That's when you've got to move into a different modality. So you slow down, you drop your voice, you, you're changing your poetic technique, you move into a story, you go into a fact, you change your content, you do something that just continues to right. reignite their attention every time. And I think when you translate that into a corporate structure, right, there's there's a poeticism in that in and of itself where, you know, companies, yes, like how, like you go, how does Google, I don't know, I keep using Google as the example, but I'm going to continue. How does Google keep, you know, in, you know, reinventing, mm-hmm. you know, reengaging. And it is, it's kind of like just when you think, okay, Google search is this or, you know, YouTube is that. It's like, Oh, there's a new feature. There's yeah. a new iteration. There's an announcement made, or we're going to launch, you know, YouTube Comedy Week, and mm-hmm. so there's always these constant iterations. So I think, you know, not a, not only do people see themselves in their journey in the words, but in the delivery, yeah. right? You know, over the course of time, like you said, it's like, oh, I would I would have never expected you to say sixty minutes, let alone ninety. Yeah, you know, or just to be in the audience and sit there and like right. be engaged all the time. But these companies. Levi's is a you know century plus old company, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like they're and they're just pants, yeah. right? And, <laughs> and props to Levi's for using poetry in some amazing ways. Oh, that one commercial, the oh sparklers joint yeah, there running around. They're, yes. they're, again, one of the big uh, reasons why I started doing this was because I was, especially as a voiceover, because you like Levi's. <laughs> Love Levi's. Bring me in for a commercial. Got you. <laughs> but um, but you know, as a voiceover artist, especially, I would go in and for these commercials, and it would be like some fast food commercial where they were like, they had some copywriter try to do a poem, and it was like, lettuce is the bestest, <laughs> the water trickling down the tomato. You know, it's like, really? You want me to? Do, how come you just didn't get a poet to write it? And so I was like, well, how come I just don't be that poet? You know what I mean? So then right. that sort of was what led to me. All right, clearly, the again, owning the language, defining it for the the industry with the quality that we know it it should have. Right. Um, my wife hates spoken word. 
Yeah. Um, I, love, I, love, I love your wife. Yo, tell your wife, come to my show. And I, I'll I, convert her. And I told her, I was like, hey, watch this. Because, you know, I, I watch, you know, I watch a lot. I've been to venues um, yeah. and things like that. You know, um, what advice do you give a naysayer, right, in terms of how to listen to, how to experience, you know, poetry? I just say, watch this. <laughs> watch this. Right. I mean, listen, it's experiential. Right. You know, I don't know how many times one of the most common comments that I get is I, I, I hate poetry, but I love that. Right. Right. So, again, that goes back to all of those preconceived notions of what poetry is that Mm -hmm. people walk in with. People aren't used to really good spoken word poetry because they haven't they haven't been to the poetry lounge. They haven't been to New Eureka. They haven't been to Fly Poet. They haven't been to the venues that have the best of the best. Um, And so they they have some conceived notion of of what it is. But when they experience it as as it should be. Right. It's amazing for them. It's cathartic for them. So I always just say, yo, watch this. Go to this spot. Check out this venue. Watch this person. And 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 if nothing else, come to my show and I'll convert you. And if I don't, well, I'll send you to the person that will. Right. Um, how is it that, you know, I, when I we have a, we talk a lot about marketing and innovation and ideas on this show. And when I look at, you know, my role sometimes as a marketer is I, I, I say we're translators. Right. Our job is to take a brand message and translate it into, you know, a mass message or mass activation. Or, you know, um, if you say, you know, our candy is the sweetest and then I'm going to go like sweet. I'm going to come up with some something that's thematic and broadly accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, our job in a lot of these situations is to take a deep dive into our client's business. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't know. You know, um, I'm not going to use Google this time. We, <laughs> uh, we don't know Apple uh-huh. like you know, like Apple does. That's right. But uh, but because we're a little bit removed, I think it gives us a little bit of clarity in how to translate it, right? Because I am the audience of it, to an extent. That's right. Um, how is it that you're able to go to all these different environments and translate? their you know specific needs i know there's some broad stroke things that are common amongst you know each engagement mm-hmm. but you know like you said healthcare is going to be different than the lebron james sure. conversation um so, so I, what's your process in terms of being a translator of sorts and connecting i'm sure you can respect the fact that first and foremost it's listening you know what'd you say listening I'm just it's, it's listening <laughs> chris it's right. listening um i i was uh it's funny when you think about just, you know, how the universe works sometimes. I remember in middle school when all the yearbooks were coming out, of all the things that I wanted to be voted for, I remember being voted for best listener. And I had no idea. Really? Yeah. And I had no idea where that came from. You know what I mean? And it wasn't until years after in high, through high school and college I remember sort of like, gosh, people seem to come to me and just – Something about the way I listen, people are always talking to me about their personal stuff and then right. halfway through going, I don't know why I'm telling you all this, you know? Right. And again, I never wanted to be a psychologist or anything, so I didn't even know what to do with it or acknowledge that it existed. But now, as I think about my my ability to go in and and uh, translate, if you will, and really capture each client's story and and the uniqueness and the depth and the and the, the 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 personalized aspects of it, the challenges and the aspirations and the struggles, 
um, a, the first step is just listening. I do a big creative download with them. And I, and I always say like, yeah, send me your deck, send me your PowerPoint, send me your, your videos and so forth. But I need to have a conversation with you because I, at the end of the day, you're a human being that's having this experience, right. right? I need to hear in your voice what you're struggling with. I need to hear what you get excited about, what makes you just giddy. I mm-hmm. need to hear what makes you, when you start stumbling over your words. I need to hear all of that, right? So that then I can translate and, and give your audience a human experience. And that's always my goal. Um, I always say that I live as a poetic voice. I live in the space between your necktie and your, and your throat, right? Mm-hmm. So because people will do things like I get advice all the time. Oh, nobody cares about anything longer than three minutes. You know, make it shorter. Nobody is going to come to your website for longer than so and so. They're just going to want to get on, get this information, and get off, right? And then what I hear from clients when I have that creative download is, man, I I I, uh, I love the piece that you did for uh, for Nike Lebron, or I love the the thing you did on Deaf Poetry. And I'm like, man, you had to dig. You had to be on there for a minute to find that. Right. You had to go through this and led you to Google, led you to YouTube and so forth. And they're like, yeah, I showed this to my kid and they signed up and this, me and my grandmother listened to this. And so I go like, yeah, you started as a business person with your necktie tied up coming to my website. And when you left, it was loosened yeah. and you were a human being. Right. You know? And so we shared a, a human experience together. So as part of my process, I'm always looking at what are the human elements of everything that you're talking about. And I start there. I build the piece around that. Mm. And then I go back and I add the content bling, as I call it. You know, here's where here's where you hear your your uh, school color. Here's where you hear your, your your seven values of your company. Here's I make sure I fit all that in and I make it very dense with that so that you hear your story as an organization. But underneath that, you hear your story as a human being. Right. No, that's, I mean, that's, that's brilliant. I mean, even when, you know, again, just theme to this show, the fact that you, you give us the innovation piece and, you know, 80% of it is stuff that, you know, is constantly in my, in my mind. Right. And it's just said a different way. I think I retweeted you the other day with with the, um, the, uh, well, I'm going to botch it, but it was the idea that uh, innovation is where, Oh, oh! Uh, the difference between why didn't I think of that and yes. why didn't I think like that? Right, exactly. And why yeah. couldn't I say that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're also you you given the world a little bit more content now, right? You have this video that went up recently. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about about that. It's- so the video is my new baby. It's my new baby. I'm super excited about this because like I said, I haven't really done much for the public. You know, my YouTube page was basically just clips of me doing corporate performances right. and presentations. Uh, and so now I'm reengaging this platform, this public platform. And I was just like, you know, what do I want to start off with? And I've done a few videos. I did a piece um, called New Money that was for TEDx Wall Street <clears throat> that I shot a video for. And um, it's very it's one of my new popular pieces, but I didn't really push the video and it, and it didn't you know do huge things and so forth. But I, and I didn't create it from the ground up. But uh, as I sat back and said, what's the first one that I want to start off with? I have a poem called The Awesome Anthem, and it is sort of a self celebration, a hilarious, inspirational self celebration piece that just reminds people about their amazingness you right. know, and just re- helps them remember that they are beautiful enough and powerful enough to get through whatever challenges that they're facing. And as I performed this piece, it became increasingly popular, but something else happened. Every time I say the words, I am awesome, I, I, I almost sing it like, I am awesome. And I hit this pose. For some reason, I just started hitting this pose when I would do it. <laughs> and the pose started to catch on. 
Right. And I would discover that business partners or people in their marriage, whenever they would do something cool with each other, they would hit this pose, you know, and they would look at each other and hit the pose. And I was like, that's amazing. It's kind of got its own movement now. It's like bolting. It's like the Usain Bolt when everybody's <laughs> right. bolting for a that's while. That's right. But. And it kind of just took on its own, its own sort of organic life. And so I decided that I wanted to shoot the video in a way that it had people actually hitting the awesome pose while they were, uh, while I was spitting the poem, you know? And so I got this, I shot this video, a brilliant director by the name of Wayne Price, um, who was shooting with the, with the community that I'm involved with summit series. Right. And, um, and so we went up to Eden and we shot a video in a few different locations. And then I basically just had people from around the world submit themselves in the awesome pose. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've got like, you know, Authors like Tim Ferriss, I've got actors like Omari Hardwick, I've got you know icons like Quincy Jones, I've got um, you know business folks like uh, Simon Maynaring and, and Jim Quick, I've got you know everyday homies and 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 little kids and you know just <laughs> right. all sort of hitting this pose to kind of show their their place and reflect their place in the in the global community of awesomeness, if you will. And so literally, I, I, be I in shot the, the video. Hey, hey, listen, uh... listen, I'm, I'm going to make sure I get a clip of you before we leave, first of all, because the goal is really for it to be a, a user generated movement where people begin to do their own versions of the poem. They shoot their own videos in the pose. And ultimately, I'm going to do a second version of the video where I will have probably me at the beginning, me at the end and just nothing but amazing people in the world hitting the awesome pose. Right. So I'll make sure you in that second. Uh, I'm, all, I'm all over it. That's right. Um what do you get out of all this? You know, we spent, the, we spent most of this conversation about the service yeah. piece of it, you yeah. know? And I think when you are able to give creatively, there's something that you receive, you know, that probably can't be measured, but you know, what, what do you get out of all this? I get first, I get money. The, no, just, <laughs> right, right. Well, yes and no, I get the joy of being able to make a living doing what I love. Right. And that's, that's critical. You hear me talk about that in the awesome anthem. Um, you know, I get that joyful challenge. I get the joy of creating something that d- that doesn't exist and owning something and defining something. And as an artist, that's you know, when I talk about art for art's sake, like that's me doing art for art's sake. You know, that's the, that's the pure joy of creativity and right. and actually and creation. You know, um, I get I get to live a purpose filled life. You know, I get to know that I am. I am living in my voice. Um, I have found my true voice and I'm living in that and that I'm living on purpose, that this is what I was put on this planet to do. And it took me a minute to find out what it was, it took me a minute to get here to, to, and then it took me a minute to embrace it and accept it and own it. But now I get to know that I'm on track every day and yeah. all I have to do is just keep myself on track, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and then I get the, the, the joy and the beauty of every day just in new ways seeing the people that I impact you know the responses that I've gotten from the awesome anthem poem have been amazing when I'm sitting back and creating it and any artist knows this you create it and you're like if you're making a hip-hop beat dude it's like oh I'm fresh I'm about to blow up you know what I mean it's like everybody platinum baby platinum here here I come you know because you're the freshest thing in the world when you're Mm -hmm. in that creative energy you know what I mean and then it's the record labeled uh, 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 rejection letter and the homie that's like it needed more bass and all of a sudden the world comes in and comments but initially in that pure space it's just you and what you're contributing to the world so it's great to get that immediate gratification and that response from from audiences that are like this is what I needed to hear today This, this, this piece saved my life this piece Piece, uh, made me believe in love again. This piece made me go back and look at my kids in a different way. Right. You know, it's the impact. That's yeah. what I get. That's exactly what all of our listeners have wrote in. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all two of them. That's right. Um, my mom. No, just kidding. Well, now three since I'm on here. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do for radio well, shows. You I take to it to three. <laughs> exactly. I like how every every you sound like you're delivering poetry in everything you say. Like you know, I'm like, is he talking or is he, is, right, is right. he performing right now? Um, well, what, what's funny about that is that just a just a quick sort of definition of what poetic voice is. A lot of poets. You know, there are poets that are speakers that get up and do TED Talks and so forth. A lot of times it's, here's my poem, then you listen, then you applaud, then I talk about it, I set up the next poem, now here's the next poem, then you listen, you applaud, and so forth. And it's like a, it's like a set, you right. know, it goes up and down. The way I define poetic voice is that it's a seamless journey. So you don't know when the poetry ends and the content begins and the comedy ends and the storytelling begins and it just becomes this one seamless journey where you're like, oh, wow, he's talking. Oh, wait, he's rhyming. Did I just hear a metaphor? Oh, what's happening right now? Right, so right. it keeps you constantly engaged. It's like a, it's like a, a sensual assault. Of, I, of like yes. I like it. I like it. Write that down. I just, I, I'm going to use it. <laughs> so uh, the show is called Innovation Crush, as you yeah. probably know. Um, what you know in your world or otherwise are some trends that you look out to the world and you go, "That is awesome." You know, um, that is you know something that you're impressed by in the world that's happening right now. Oh gosh, um, you know, from a technological standpoint with innovation um, I'm always amazed by anything that I'm hearing about that comes out of places like Singularity University yeah you know like when I listen to to Peter and uh, Peter Diamandis and, mm-hmm. and Daniel Kraft and these cats give presentations and I'm just like oh my lord what is happening to the world this is so amazing and so terrifying and it, I don't know what it? to do with my you know what I mean like Ray Kurzweil is gonna live forever yeah seriously so um, you know, from AI to robotics to, uh, you know, genetics to all of it is, is fascinating. I always say, like, when I think I never really want to live forever because I think that's horrible, you know. Right. But the only thing that makes me not want to die, really, is I kind of want to know what the future is going to be like. Is it going to be Star Trek? Is it going to be the Matrix? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. I kind of like I want to know. So uh, technology continues to uh, to amaze me. I think, you know, I'm always amazed by just human spirit human resilience you know when right. i just think about the ways that we you know like for example when you talk about technology and and how um terrifying it can be at the end of the day it really does depend on the human spirit it really does depend on what what we right. do as as a people you know and so the ways that when i just look at um stories of people connecting and people helping each other and 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 people being there for each other in ways as strangers as nations as communities that is really, really the fruit of my inspiration yeah. constantly. You know, it's interesting you say that because you know a lot of people when you talk about social media or let's, let, you know if you touch on bullying, right? Yeah, and, and that's a, uh, obviously mm-hmm. a big topic in news and in the trades and just in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, there's a whole flip side to it where you know I always talk about social media as a form of acknowledgement, right? Like I, I have nephews that live in Michigan. That I don't, you know, I don't talk to them on the phone, mm-hmm. but I can chime in, and you know, if I see something that where it sounds like they're having a bad day, I'm like, hey, you, you know, you're all right. Like, mm-hmm. there's this, there's this ability to actually engage with people in a meaningful way, and you know, I've worked for companies that were social media oriented, and you know, the for example, Machinima, right, which mm-hmm. is a, a, a large YouTube channel, um, a lot of their creators were so thankful for the opportunity because they were literally sitting in their parents' basement playing video games, depressed, yeah. you know, unhealthy, yeah. 
uh, sad, and, you know, and sometimes even suicidal. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there's this acknowledgement that happens and then yeah. there's this trajectory and then you want to do more of that one thing that you didn't think meant anything to anybody. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think when you talk about the human spirit there and, and then there's the two sides of it because it, it, it could go the other way. It could That's go the right. bullying route. That's right. You know, but I, I think there's more stories of just that ability to be acknowledged for being who you are. Yeah. Um, yeah, Absolutely. Uh, there's no question there. I just wanted to take over the show for a minute. That's right. <laughs> As if it's your show or something. <laughs> Apparently you got it confused. It's, it's my Jerry Springer moment. <laughs> so, CQ brought us a... Uh... <laughs> That's right. Here's the, my, the Chris reflection. <laughs> um, uh, so, finish this phrase for me. Um, <clears throat> innovation to me is... I thought I started the. I know, I, I know. I started, now, <laughs> did not, did not. You gonna make me repeat myself? <laughs> yeah, do, do the whole piece over. Do the whole piece over. Uh, innovation is the conversion of insight into invoices. It's the conversion of creativity into creation. It's the conversion of. It's the it's the addition of purpose onto your passions um, that leads to. Something you can hold, something you can see, something you can use, and most importantly, something that benefits the world in some way. That's great. Most times I have to ask people to explain, but you you did a pretty <laughs> One of my favorite answers was a woman named Carla Ballard, um, one of our like first, maybe third or fourth show. Uh, but uh, you know, asked her a question. I she, know Carla. Oh, okay. That's my homegirl. Uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. See? Tell, tell her you uh, you were here. Um, I'm gonna get a, I need a wall so I can just have everybody sign it. That's right. You get like a little mind map. So oh, I know him and her. That's my homie. That's my cousin. You know, exactly. my ex girlfriend. I ain't impregnated cool no more. her. That's right. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Not Carla, but you know, just uh, <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> no, she goes. Uh, innovation to me is pancakes, and like part of we kind of sat here. I have a co-host who, who works with us sometimes, uh, Robert, and we were like, okay. <laughs> but she goes on to explain, like you know, you start off with something relatively plain, and you can make it however you want to, right? Yeah. You can add toppings, you can have a hot, you can have a cold, you can put butter, you can put syrup, or none of those things. Like That's you right. know, it's taking something that is relatively easy and plain and adding, you know, a little bit of your own personal design. To That's it. right. Um, so uh, I want to thank you for, for joining us today. Yeah, man. Yeah, this oh, was, was this my was pleasure. I'm glad you, I hope you had a good time. I, hope I did. did. Um, I did. I noticed I've been trying to make my voice deeper as, as the show has Keep going lower. Keep going yeah, lower. So, uh, so even anyway, lower. Even even lower. Uh, have you seen the, have you ever seen the uh, video, the YouTube, um, it's an audio clip. Of, <laughs> it's an audio clip of Barry White and he was recording something for a radio, like a promotional bit. Uh-huh. And he was he was he would read, and then he would get mad at whoever wrote the content. So uh-huh. if it was like if I was reading your bio, I'd be like, uh, "Poetic license help tip." Who wrote this? <laughs> like it's, it's the, but it's his very deep voice, and he's like, "Oh, oh," and he starts cussing like, "Oh, fuck it, <laughs> oh man." Sekou does more than justice, but ah, oh, what? Who? Who? <laughs> it's, it's the funniest thing ever. That would be hilarious in Barry's voice. Too. Um, uh, so That'd how can great. people? How can people find you on the interwebs? Um, so definitely, first and foremost, is SekouAndrews.com. It's S like Sam E K O U Andrews. Dot com. Uh, make sure you check out uh, the Twitter. Uh, follow at Twitter Seku, at Seku Andrews, and um, also make sure you hit up the YouTube page and um, and hit up the the awesome anthem uh, because that's that's a new baby and it and it will it will inspire you. Should I should I should I jump into it? Do you have a second to jump? I into think it? so. Yeah, let's let's do it. I'll, 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 uh, I'll I'm here. Give you a little 
I'll give you a little closing taste of uh of what the awesome anthem uh, sets up here. Let's see, where shall I jump in? Okay, I'll jump in here. Um, it kind of it kind of goes all over the place, and That's it's fine. And it's a, it's a self celebration piece, but this is one of the sections that at least is a little bit more powerful. <clears throat> I'll admit. I used to think that awesome was a word for surfers and smokers, skateboarders and valley girls. But I was like, totally mistaken. Awesome is gangster. Awesome is stupid fresh. Awesome is the new crunk and the new cool beans. It's the new bomb diggity and the new bees knees. My new mantra that helps me breathe into all that I believe and realize that within me is all the might I'll ever need. Because there are those days when I'm pushed to the edge where still waters meet earth. And I fall to my knees to gaze upon the water's surface. But as I stare at my reflection with these broken down eyes, God sees his reflection in me from the other side and says to herself, uh, I don't know what he thinks he sees, but he must not be looking at me because I am awesome. Like the science of miracles and the mathematics of purpose. Awesome. Like how our brains can always calculate the what of who and the when of where. But our souls must solve for why. Awesome. Like the thought of God and logic having faith that we will figure ourselves out. Awesome. Like how the moment I truly discovered the great I am is the same moment I discovered how truly great I am. And I am not perfect, but I'm perfect as I am. I'm not beautiful like I used to be. I'm beautiful like I am. Like the scar where a breast once was. Like survival, where a death once was. Like the better, where a best once was. Every gray hair a trophy, every wrinkled fold a story, every pound of fat a challenge reminding me there is always something to pursue and always something to celebrate. That that is awesome. <laughs> um, I actually have goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So so thank you, man, I, I, for being here, for sharing your story. Um, thank I you. think a lot of people will be innovatively inspired. Beautiful. Um, so that is all, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, this has been another installment of Innovation Crush with Sekou Andrews. We'll talk to you next time. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and 3 comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.